0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. Happy New Year to you. You are likely listening to this at the beginning of 2024, and I hope and pray that 2024 is one of your best years yet. Great things are ahead. Exciting things are happening. And I really believe that in many areas of our lives, the best is yet to come. So let's cling to that. I want to dive in here at the start of the year to a challenge to all of us and then back it up with some facts. The truth is that in our age... What passes for reporting, what passes for media and the communication of news is usually advocacy it's usually people making a case for their particular philosophical or political views. And that's unfortunate. I yearn for the days of objective reporting. I know there's no such thing as 100% objective reporting, but there were at least people in earlier eras who were attempting it, who were honest. Even if they had a bias, they said so. And so you at least knew where you stood. Well, we are living in an age, and I want to tell you that 2024 is going to be filled With this for you, but we are living in an age in which we're going to have to research the news. We're going to have to research the news. You just can't afford to live in this era without drilling down just a little bit. And the good news is the information you need is available on the internet free. However, You're going to have to go beyond the headlines. Now, let me give you an example of an area where there's been horrible misinformation and it's actually affecting policy and could affect global events. A little bit of my own story first. I grew up in the home of a cold warrior. My father was a U.S. Army officer. He was an intelligence officer. He was the G2 in Berlin for many years. For those of you who know that language, he was a Russian linguist. He attended the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. Uh, And as a result, we spent a lot of our time in Europe. And as I've said, I'm sure many times on this podcast, I spent most of my teen years behind the Iron Curtain in Berlin, Germany, West Berlin, obviously, uh, before the wall came came down. And so I grew up in the home of a man whose job it was to counter the dictatorial leaders of Russia. Let me say quickly that growing up in the home of a man uh, who was a Russian linguist and loved Russian culture and read Russian literature, uh, I have a deep love of Russian history and heritage and food and even music and um, and literature. Of course, the great body of Russian literature, um, and I love the Russian people. I've traveled there. I've lived there. I had Russians as growing up so I am want to be very careful to say that in this podcast when I speak of Russia I'm speaking of the current political military entity and not the people love the people hate the government as I have said of other countries I love the people of Iran deep love for the people of Iran and despise their government so here we are again. well as a result then I am aware, That Russia, this mighty country, covers 11 time zones, massive, huge natural resources, and when it wants to, huge intellectual resources, um, is this powerhouse country. If it's used for good, if it's devoted to freedom, if it's devoted to literature and prosperity for all, uh, it does great things. But when it's under the control of evil people, when it's under the control of dictators— Uh, When the people are dominated to their destruction, Russia can be a power of evil in the world. And it is to a large extent right now. Now, having grown up in the home of a Cold Warrior, and having uh, been drafted—I guess is the best way to say it—I've never served in uniform myself, but having been drafted as a child into the whole uh, Cold War ethos, and my the, my whole family' purpose really being to counter the incursions of the USSR. I'll tell you that I'm really disgusted right now by the fact that many, particularly in the GOP, particularly amongst Republicans, cannot bring themselves to understand the issues in Ukraine in such a way as to give full-throttled support. You know, one of the things that draws me to be a conservative and a Republican particularly is the anti-communist, anti-socialist stand, the great speeches and actions of Ronald Reagan, of George H.W. Bush, of, uh, of those who stood firmly against Russia and I think even forced the collapse of the wall, et cetera. Powerful things, powerful moments, taking nothing away from Democrats And what they did, of course, Kennedy's benign Berliner speech and what have you. I mean, I certainly recognize uh, the anti-Marxist, anti-communist heritage of the Democrat Party. However, uh, in my lifetime, uh, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush... These were strong people. These were people who called a spade a spade. These were people who challenged the USSR. And I'll tell you what, it drew me to that cause amongst a bunch of other uh, religious, spiritual, and political views that landed me uh, slightly right of center, as I've told you many times. So I'm disgusted right now that the Republican Party in Washington primarily can't seem to get themselves aligned behind an effort to overthrow a wicked invasion of Ukraine and to back the people in Ukraine, like Volodymyr Zelensky, who are trying to bring reform to the country and freedom in the face of a Soviet, a neo-Soviet, I call it neo-Soviet, a Russian incursion. So, Recently, though we started out uh, very strongly in support of Ukraine, uh, many in the GOP are starting to question whether we should be in this fight, whether we should be giving what we're giving, whether Vladimir Zelensky is a good or an evil man, uh, etc. And a lot of falsehoods are circulating around D.C. that are being used to undermine U.S. support for Ukraine. And I want to tell you, I find it disgusting because the facts aren't there. The truth is not being told. And there are many members of Congress who listen to this podcast. I am grateful for you. Uh, But yeah, I'm here contending very much with you in mind. We started strongly. Zelensky was a hero, brought to the U.S., addressed Congress, uh, interviewed by our press. Um, he was the champion of a noble cause. Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia, with 10 times the military size and spending of Ukraine, went in and Absolutely a land grab, absolutely a power move, whatever, however, Putin wrapped it in spirituality and heritage and what have you. Uh, the fact is that it was nothing but a land grab and a wicked, evil invasion in the way that the USSR and Russia has done many, many times. And gratefully, the US got behind the Ukraine cause. I'm so thankful for that. But what's happened is that now, Some members of the GOP are opposed to supporting Ukraine don't recognize what will happen if we go weak in the face of Russia in the same way that we went weak and left Afghanistan badly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, at a recent meeting uh, between the, the premier of China and Biden in San Francisco, the premier of China told Biden straight up that they intend to retake Taiwan. China intends to retake Taiwan. We haven't done much. Biden was weak. I predict that in the next 24 months, you will see a move on Taiwan by China. Why? Because weakness invites invasion. Weakness invites evil. Weakness creates a power vacuum that evil is happy to fill. So now what's happening is you have very specific lies being told in Washington, D.C., and here are some of them. The goal, of course, is to attack the man, ad hominem attacks, it's called in in technical debate world. You you want to damage the cause, so you attack the man. So people who ought to know better, uh, like Rand Paul, senator of Kentucky— are going around saying, number one, that Zelensky has declared martial law, that he has canceled elections, that he has shut down opposition parties, um, that he has personally uh, benefited from a lot of this foreign aid, U.S. foreign aid given to Ukraine, and that Zelensky has offshore accounts uh, where he's hiding his wealth. Well, of course, all of those contentions, their lies actually, are just tailor-made to turn people away from the Ukraine cause. But let's dive into them. Not long after Russia invaded Ukraine earlier this year, the Ukrainian parliament declared martial law. Now, this is a normal response in time of war, especially when the battles are happening on Main Street of your cities. So, the Ukrainian parliament uh, declared martial law, normal response to a military incursion. Okay? Well, under the Ukrainian law, Article 19 of their martial law provision, you cannot, while you have martial law, uh, have uh, constitutional amendments, for example. You cannot. conduct elections. This is all part of their law. You cannot make, do certain major steps forward, right, politically while you're under martial law. It's actually meant to promote democracy. In other words, martial law is the state controlling society more so than than usual. And so as a result, the Ukrainian parliament declared martial law, And therefore, their Constitution, their Article Article 19 of their martial law provision, doesn't allow for elections, doesn't allow for constitutional amendment. You understand. In other words, it restricts certain political activity. So the state's not controlling all that, so that it's not a move back towards the Soviet era kind of top-down control. So it is technically true that elections have been stopped in Ukraine, but this is an action As a result, this is a provision as a result of declaring martial law. It was not some dictatorial move on Zelensky's part, and it is the right thing to do. Now, number two, we've been told that there has been oppression and a shutting down of certain opposition parties. Well, what you have to understand is that Russia has been very active, of course, in Ukrainian politics for years, and these opposition parties, 11 of them, are Russian fronts. It's as though when we were battling Saddam, we had a bunch of political parties in the U.S. that were Iraqi, Saddam, Ba'athist political parties. Well, if you're fighting a war against a people, you don't let them work politically within your system. And so, yeah, uh, the current Ukrainian government has shut down these Russian fronts, 11 of them, uh, that are political opposition parties, as they should. These are nothing but fronts for Vladimir Putin and his oppressive Russian state. So that's true. But again, is it just Mr. Zelensky, a dictator trying to remove all healthy political opposition to his presidency? No, it's a shutting down of the enemy that is dropping bombs via drones on their cities, killing children, killing women, killing families, blowing up homes, just setting setting Ukraine back decades in economic progress. That's what Zelensky is battling, that's why the Ukrainian parliament is backing off these political parties, these opposition parties, which are nothing more than Russian fronts. And now let's get to the one that everybody tries to trot out whenever you're trying to battle someone, both in American politics and overseas. You always want to allege corruption. You always want to allege that they are enriching themselves at the state trough. Well, Volodymyr Zelensky, before he ran for office—and I've told this story before here on this podcast, so I won't go into details—but Volodymyr Zelensky was not only a lawyer uh, before he ever came into office, but he also was an actor, and he had written— Uh, The most popular television show in Ukrainian history called Servant of the People. It's a semi-comedy. It's a combination of West Wing and, you know, your favorite sitcom uh, in that a history teacher is suddenly elected president of Ukraine. And of course, a little bit of life imitating art, sure enough, on the strength of that TV show and the writing and the values espoused in it, a political party was started and it elected ultimately Vladimir Zelensky into the presidency of Ukraine. Well, my point in telling you that story is that the man wrote and owned and acted in the number one TV show in Ukraine for many, many years. And by the way, it's been broadcast far outside of Ukraine. In fact, until recently, I think maybe still, um, I watched much of it on uh, Netflix. So it's very available. And you can imagine that huge amount of money. Think about an actor in an American TV show today. Let's say that I had created written, and acted in, uh, let's say, the TV show West Wing. Well, I'd be fabulously wealthy, wouldn't I? So that is exactly what happened. The man was wealthy before he ever came into office. And, of course, one of the allegations is that he has offshore accounts. Listen, let's drill down into this just for a moment. Anybody who's got significant wealth probably has money offshore. I'm not that wealthy, and I have money offshore. Am I hiding it from the government? Am I doing mafia things? No, I've invested internationally. Like anybody who's got a few extra bucks and wants to you know, increase that that the benefit of that and wants to maximize it uh, does. So having a sh- accounts offshores, you know, investing in things internationally, this is normal for people of at least moderate and upwards means. And Volodymyr Zelensky is extremely. Wealthy, But there's no evidence at all that he is enriching himself uh, on the money that the West is giving Ukraine to defeat Russia. And I'll tell you what, Rand Paul should not have said what he said. And the GOP needs to rethink its support for Ukraine. They're starting to diminish, they're starting to back away. I don't mind in Washington, D.C. deal making if some people hold Ukrainian aid hostage to some kind of border uh, law or some kind of reform of our borders, which are in tragic shape. That's just normal D.C. Uh, deal making and policy making and so on. I'm, I'm, we're all used to that. However, to back off Ukraine because the, the, the cause is no longer noble. To back off support from Ukraine as they back the the Russian empire off and a crazed Vladimir Putin to back off from them because you, you, you believe these lies about Zelensky and somehow you've become convinced that the cause is no longer normal is crazy. If we go weak in the face of Russia, we will pay for it internationally. That's why some other nations in in Europe that have not been part of NATO are jumping into NATO because they recognize the threat a resurgent Russia can be to all of Europe. So let's get our wits about us, especially those of you. And thank you for being with me. Uh, those of you who are in Congress and are listening to this, the Ukrainian cause is noble Vladimir Zelensky is a Churchillian figure, perfect, no, but a Churchillian figure whom I'm grateful um, is that the lead of Ukraine at this time, he has shown character. He has shown devotion. He has shown sacrifice. He has risked his life. He has led nobly. In fact, I'm such a believer in how he has led that I do a business talk that has become quite popular, by the way, on just the the basic leadership principles of Volodymyr Zelensky as he's leading Ukraine, not, not raising money for them or advocating for them, uh, the political cause, the military cause, but just looking at Volodymyr Volodymyr Zelensky's principles and actions of leadership and commending them to leaders in other fields. Now, I'm going off here because I'm passionate about this. I believe strongly that we've got to stand with Ukraine to battle Russia. I believe strongly we will pay for it globally. If we don't, we've made this mistake before. The more we show weakness, the more we retreat from the world scene, the more evil is done, the more a vacuum is filled by bad actors, as they say, in the intelligence community. And we will pay for it. And our children and our grandchildren will pay for it. So let's stop the lies Let's defy those. I think Rand Paul's basically a good guy, but he was he's wrong on Ukraine and he lied about Vladimir Zelensky. Let's recover ourselves and let's storm into 2024 with a strong support for Ukraine. Quite frankly, I think there's a peace deal not too far away right now, but it is not going to come because we retreat and we show weakness. We go flaccid. That it will not come. It will come because we show strength and support for freedom in opposition to tyranny. Thank you for being with me. Members of Congress, do it, do it right, defy the lies. People who are voters and supporters and citizens, insist that your elected leaders represent your values and let's be a noble, courageous people in the spirit of the Ronald Reagans and the Kennedys and others who on the international scene stood down encroaching communism, dictators, control, uh, military incursions, and purchased much of the freedom that we have today. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public Leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.